0: The Brandon Peters Show may contain explicit language and detailed plot points. For more information on the show, stay tuned to the end of the episode. And now, here he is, Brandon.
1: Welcome back for the start of what is a series that is the be- the beginning of a series that is about the end of another. It's farewell to DCEU. And with me from The Wrap, Zack Snyder's favorite guy on social media, it's Scott Mendelson.
2: Hi, uh, it's a pleasure to be back. It's been, a w- well, since we finished the 30 of, 93 of 30 thing.
1: Yeah. Yep. Um, uh, we're back, and this is the in between uh, the '93 and the '2004. So uh, oh, we that's did, right. We did Tim Burton last year, which included Michael Keaton as Batman, and then Michael Keaton came back this year. So we have to conclude Michael Keaton as Batman. I think that's how it works. <laughs> Got to finish it up. And after
2: this summer, he's never playing Batman again.
1: Oh no, no, no! So the DC EU, the DC Extended Universe, is that what it or expanded? I think that was
2: always an unofficial name. I, I think it was always DC Films.
1: Or whatever. This this segment of DC uh, begins with 2013 and Superman's relaunch in Man of Steel. And with the changing of the guard and clear intentions of a, of a new regime uh, put in place uh, to the brand by Warner Brothers... We are to believe that Aquaman, the Lost Kingdom, will kind of close out this iteration of DC and its characters. Some stay or whatever. Oops, but hey, you're getting a retrospective from Scott and I uh, regarding this. Uh, the series will call cover all of the properties affected by this uh, that, that we have access to. Uh, this includes Zack Snyder's Justice League and the Max TV series Peacemaker. It will not cover Joker or... Batman, comma, the, as it would be in the phone book. Uh, however, if their demand is big enough, we'll do them as a bonus. But you got you to beg weekly, daily, that you want us to do that. Match uh, that subscribe button. Hit it. Uh, obviously, we will be unable to include Batgirl in our retrospective. Although, if you or anyone you know has a way for us to view it, And you'd be willing to help us with, well, we'll add it to the roster. legality. Legality of it does not matter. I will sign a waiver. I will sign whatever. If you want it included and you're listening and you know how to watch it or you were involved in the movie and would like to talk about what happens or anything to fill us in on making us feel like we've seen Batgirl, you know what to do. Naptown nerd at if you
2: are captured or killed, we will disavow all knowledge of your yes. existence.
1: Yes. So that's the basis of the series. We will have special guests uh, on the remaining episodes of the series. Uh, this first one will kick off with just Scott and I's thoughts. Uh, as we get begin, Scott, what's your uh, experience? Uh, let's see. Let's start with uh, your background. DC Comics, movies, and its characters.
2: Broadly speaking the DC superhero characters was basically my introduction to storytelling tropes as we know them. I mean I I discovered the you know the superpowers version of these characters in 1985 uh and the action figure line that went along with that, you know with Batman, Superman, Robin, Flash, Green Lantern, uh, Aquaman, Wonder Woman. And my first introduction to their origin stories was there was a case you could buy that had a special slot for each of the action figures. Yeah. And on the inside cover, they had they did the origins of all these characters. So that was the first time I learned how who Batman was and how he came to be. And you know, how Krypton blew up and and how Robin and his parents were killed by bad guys, too. Well, okay, what a coincidence. Um and, and things of that nature and that was so i was a lifelong dc nerd to a certain extent obviously tim burton's batman was one of the more influential films of my childhood both in terms of studying films as an art form and commercially speaking mm-hmm. um you know it turned me into the box office junkie i am today for better or worse when i was growing up the you know, late 80s early 90s coming of age the Burton Batman films and the Schumacher Batman films were basically the James Bond films of that era. By that I mean they offered the kind of larger than life thrills and spectacle and production value and star power that, frankly, you really couldn't get anywhere else at that point in time. So, you know, whether we, you know, whatever our feelings are on those films then and now, they really were unparalleled blockbuster temples. And, You know, obviously, as I became, you know, I I I moved out to California several months before Batman Begins. I saw The Dark Knight. The Dark Knight was actually, I started writing Mendelssohn's memos a couple months after the teaser trailer for The Dark Knight. The one that premiered with I Am Legend late December 20, mid-December 20, 2007. The excitement over that trailer, my own personal excitement sort of reminded me how much I enjoyed this stuff. And a couple months later, I started my own blog ironically while i was doing press screenings through uh valley scene magazine which was a a bi-weekly rag in the valley in the you know the the woodland hills ventura area um the dark Knight was the first press screening that i actually tracked down and got access to by myself you know i literally drove down to a theater where i knew it was going to be screening knowing i wasn't going to get in but making you know shaking hands getting a phone number and you know, giving them. You know, they said call me later, and I did. I waited. I called, and the very next screening, just after July Fourth weekend, two thousand eight, I was invited to that one. We got my wife and I saw it in IMAX, um, and that started sort of a pattern of me making these press contacts by myself rather than just waiting for Valley Seed Magazine to send first come first serve emails. Man of Steel came out in summer of twenty thirteen, which was my first summer working at Forbes for mm-hmm. Forbes. Oh, okay. So, it's it's, obviously, because there's been a lot of these films over the years, they've sort of been in certain important parts of my professional career. Mm -hmm. Um, And just skipping a little bit in terms of Man of Steel, I mean, I'll be honest, when the project was announced in 2010, I was like, does the world really need another Superman movie? Um, Because it was very obvious they were going, well, if it worked for Batman, and... Chris Nolan had brought in an executive producer. And it was, you know, it was very obvious they were gonna go a grand and mythic origin story route akin to what had worked with Batman Begins. Well, I and do have noted uh,
1: that that um this uh, the movie when we get to it, Man of Steel, is the second time in the Nolan era that they resurrect Superman. Because you have Superman Returns that came out uh oh, yes, yes, shortly yes. after Batman begin. So twice in the Nolan era, do they try to do something with Superman?
2: Yes. I mean, I mean, I, I talk about this a lot, and I'll probably bring it up again, but Superman is one of those characters that everybody knows, and everybody sort of assumes that people want to see movies about him, but there hasn't been an unmitigatedly successful Superman movie since
3: 1981.
2: Yeah. Um. So I often wonder out loud, like, do audiences really air that much about Superman as a blockbuster-sized action movie, you know, ten-pole character, or is he a character like Robin Hood, King Arthur, Peter Pan, et cetera, et cetera, where, you know, he's part of the pop culture vernacular, but just because everyone's heard of him doesn't mean there is that kind of interest in a movie.
1: Well, Um, I I think, too, that there's a lot of – Stuff they've never like they've movie wise, they've never shown us more than he could do. It always comes back to Lex Luthor. If it's not Lex Luthor, it's Zod. You know, like it's yeah, it seems limited uh to those who would just check out the movies or like, who are they doing again? Luther nah, I've seen Lex Luthor. Or something like that, you know, like what more can can you do? It's never there's never a, a lot to challenge what uh Superman is or can be Um, Before we get too deep in Man of Steel here, uh, this is a preamble, but um, my own personal experience, uh, DC Comics, uh, these were my superheroes uh, growing up. They were like an A-squad. Batman, I began with the Adam West show and reruns. Uh, Of course, Tim Burton's Batman is one of my favorite movies of all time. I'm here today because of Tim Burton's Batman to some degree, or to a lot of degree. And then I, you know, I got into the comics comic reading was around the time that uh, death of Robin happened. Then they did death of Superman. So I just started watching, I started reading Superman a bit. Um, Then, you know, I Superman movies, of course, in my childhood checking them out. And then I watched like Lois and Clark, the new adventures of Superman. Uh, uh, Then, you know, Just kind of keeping up with these uh, things, and I like these heroes. I wasn't the big Marvel. Marvel got me when the uh, X Men cartoon came out. That's when I really went toward. uh, Ooh, what's this with Marvel? Um, And of course, going to Spider Man. There, I remember like comic books used to be such a weird. It was such a weird thing, unlike it is now. Like I used to. uh, I remember uh, some of my first comic books. My mom bought. A uh, pair like underwear for me from like Fruit of the Loom or something, and it came with like a Spider Man. I think it's like a Secret Wars or invade one of those comic books with Spider Man's black suit, uh, something like that. This I was, was like, when you were in college, right? Yeah, it was just a couple of years ago for Christmas. No, okay, uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. So it's so crazy to see where they've come and gone and figures and whatnot. And uh, I've always been there uh, for these movies. Um, before, so uh, yeah, so my comic book reading has always been heavier DC than it was Marvel. That's just you know, and then all I've grown up to see all the things that I like that were at one point cool become uncool. It's it's so wild now. Um, these DCEU movies going into them, uh, before revisiting all of them, my thoughts I kind of I've enjoyed the ride they've given me because I've always, the one thing I've respected about them um, is the kind of wild card aspect with them because one to the other was kind of unpredictable in this way that Marvel didn't have because Marvel kind of was like, here's success, continue success. And then we'll just drive DC really, gave their filmmakers some free reign which you can kind of tell and stuff and they bounce differently like you have Shazam and Birds of Prey in the same thing, and it, they are, couldn't be more different films and I like that about. I like the weirdness of them I think a lot of their action scenes have better second unit direction and, and such uh, their special effects tend to hold up a little better uh and, and i don't think it's as uh, the punching bag that everybody wants to make them out to be for the most part. Uh i think we're going to see a um a series through this series we're going to see some uh a tale of reaction overreaction perhaps maybe just learning to do your own thing or sticking the course might have been better at places and people not knowing what to do and wanting to be something else when they should be what they are. I think that's what we're going to learn here. Scott, before we head into man of steel, what's, what's your overall thing in the DCEU?
2: Well, I think the overall legacy, I mean, I don't want to get too navel gazing right off the bat, but I think, yeah, I think you're right. Is that there was always a question of how the Warner brothers brass what they expected these films to do commercially, what they did do commercially, and how they chose to react to that in ways good and bad. And of course, without skipping too far ahead, the problem is I would argue that right when they finally got on a roll, the COVID pandemic happened and upended any good mojo slash positive narrative slash you know momentum that they had accumulated. And then you had Ever shifting leadership at Warner Brothers, and that was always an issue from almost from the start. I mean, you know, Jeff Robanoff left Warner Brothers right around when Man of Steel came out, and one of the last things he said was to, you know, basically whether he was intentionally spiking the punch or not was basically like, "Oh, we think this is going to be Warner Brothers' biggest grossing movie ever." Mm-hmm. It's like, D- don't don't say that. Don't don't say that. Um, and then, of course, you know, during. Toward the end of the "quote unquote" Snyder era, D, uh, Warner Brothers was was purchased by AT and T, and one of the reasons that Justice League was rushed in the way that it was is because they wanted to have it out by the end of 2017, with the under- assumption that it would be successful. And they wanted to, you know, the the old guard at Warner Brothers did not want to risk all getting fired before the movie came out, so they wouldn't get their bonuses. Um, that's a simplification, but that's you know basically common public knowledge at this point. Um, and then they would react to Justice League not working by bringing in Walter Hamada, who had had incredible success with James Wan creating the Conjuring universe, which I will still maintain is the only fully successful, unmitigated success story of a cinematic universe post Marvel. Um, so that was a brilliant strategy to bring him in, and. You know, it's it's the kind of films that we got in the Hamada era were basically what everybody said that they wanted, which were connected but not obsessively continuity-driven pictures mm-hmm. of different size and scale and budget and genre. And were they even more of a wild – as you said, where a film like Birds of Prey and Shazam would not only exist in the same continuity but co- coher- coherently exist in the same continuity.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And – I genuinely believe that, absent the pandemic, that they would have continued that you know post Justice League winning streak, and we'd be telling a very different story right now.
3: Yeah. Um. All right. And
2: then you you know, yeah, I mean yeah, but it's because after you know Jason Killer comes in from ATT and basically puts all the eggs in the HBO Max basket. And that turns wonder woman 84 into basically a sacrificial lamb to the hbo max gods right. same thing with the suicide squad which i don't think would have been ahead anyway for reasons we'll get to later and then he leaves and and you know discovery takes over and then you know david zasloff says this is insane to make all these super expensive movies for streaming we're going to go back to prioritizing theatrical which means films like Batgirl that weren't necessarily theatrically worthy end up getting shelved, which is unprecedented in modern history.
1: And if you want us to see uh, it and talk about it, please contact me, <laughs> naptownnerd, at gmail.com, or find me on social media and slide me in that screen. Eddie, hey, it
2: worked 20 years ago for a bootleg of Batman Beyond Return of the Joker. Maybe it'll work here. <laughs> we,
1: would love to, we would love to talk about and praise Batgirl um, that has Academy Award winner Brendan Fraser in it. So,
2: and Academy, oh, wait, every word nominee, Michael Keaton.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah. If so, yeah, if you if uh, it's not up to us, it's up to you, that person, <laughs> the whistleblower. <laughs> you can send it to us. We won't, if you. you want
2: to slip us a copy of Coyote versus Acme, just in case that works too,
1: that would work. Yeah. So, uh, Scoop, too, I don't give a shit.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. all
1: right, Scoop is so terrible. Let's, uh, let's dive in. To Man of Steel. Can you imagine how people on this planet would react if they knew there was someone like this out there? One day you're gonna have to make a choice
2: whether to stand proud in front of the human race
1: or not. Man of Steel.
2: In cinemas, June 14.
1: Uh, Directed by Zack Snyder. Written by David S. Goyer on a story by Goyer and Christopher Nolan. He's the guy who did Oppenheimer this past summer. You may have heard of him. Uh, Starring Henry Cavill, Amy Adams, Michael Shannon, Diane Lane, Russell Crowe, Antje Trow, Harry Lennox, Richard Schiff, Christopher Maloney, Kevin Costner, Ailet Zurer, and... Lawrence, Fishburne, with a score by Hans Zimmer. In this movie, an alien child is evacuated from his dying world and sent to Earth to live among humans. His peace is threatened when other survivors of his home planet invade Earth. Like I mentioned before, this is the second attempt at Superman in the Nolan era, after he leaves because the Dark Knight Rises came the year before this. In the meantime, there was Green Lantern, which came two years prior And Jonah Hex and Watchmen were the DC projects in the interim. This is another try at Superman's origin. Superman Returns did not do that. So, Scott, going back to this one. I felt watching this this time that this is almost uh, Phantom Menace-like. And before all you haters are like, Well, he said that bad Star Wars movie that we don't like on the internet. Hold on. Let me explain. Because... I mean that in a way that there's like this confidence in this film and filmmaking that feel like they were absolutely sure of the product they had. And it just feels that way, even if you're disagreeing with what's going on.
2: Uh, I would agree with that. It is a very, I I think of no other reason. It's one of the few uh, Zack Snyder films that doesn't have a longer director's cut.
1: Yeah, it's sure of itself.
2: yeah, you know, this is this is you know, this is one where he was able to leave everything on the table for the theatrical cut. Um, I saw the film a few days before release at a press screening, and I will admit I was disappointed by it. Uh, it was frustrating because, to me, it's one of those films that, like, it's one rewrite away from being excellent. Um, I think it was also it felt to me like in this. At the time, it felt like the Incredible Hulk to Superman's Returns Hulk. By that I mean is you had this film made by this auteur that was very meditative and contemplative and slow and with not a lot of action. Mm-hmm. I think Hulk's a much better movie than Superman Returns, but that's a different conversation. <laughs> um, that was – yeah. But super, I, Look, all due respect, I know it, there is a cult following, yada, yada, yada. Superman Returns is terrible, I think. It's it's long, it's boring, it's misguided. It can't decide on a tone. And the entire film is two and a half hours of people feeling Clark Kent feeling sorry for self because he made the proactive choice to ditch all of his friends and family without leaving a note for five years. And then comes back home. And how dare Lois Lane actually at the goal to move on with her life? How right. dare she?
3: Yeah.
2: Um, but anyway, enough about that one. And then five years later, because again, well, no. Seven, eight years later? Jesus, eight years, wait, yeah, seven years seven, later. Seven
1: years seven. later. We can do, you m- have, we do math sometimes here on the show. Yeah, it's badly.
2: Um, you have Man of Steel, which feels like a very conscientious course correction. It gives you the classical origin story. It gives you a certain operatic mythological tone. And it gives you a shit ton of action. Yeah. <laughs> it gives you... I mean, as much as I feel the film doesn't work for various reasons, it really tries to be the prototypical Superman movie, mm-hmm. the prototypical Superman story. Yeah. Um, including to a certain extent embracing the biblical scale. I mean, at the film's best, it is basically a version of Exodus. But what if God what if Moses Basically turned against turned against God to defend his adopted family. Um, because of course Superman is the Moses story. I mean, you know, you know that I know that yada yada yada. Um, so I think this version of that story is very interesting because you, the idea is that you know God comes to Earth and says, you know, we need you to align with us to fuck up your home world, and this version of Moses says, no, no, no. I'm going against you to protect this adopted place that has made them, has made me one of them,
3: mm-hmm.
2: and that's a very you know that's a very poignant notion. It actually works somewhat in lines of a handful of big tentpoles of that era, like Prometheus and and Noah, which argued that God is real and he either and Godzilla to a certain extent that God is real and he either doesn't love you or just doesn't give a fuck about you. Yeah. And um and I remember feeling when I saw the picture, there was a lot of push-pull between wanting to be this very operatic, epic, you know, disaster movie, you know, kaiju like destruction destructo porn action spectacle, but also be a hopey changey everybody feels great about Superman movie. Because it kind of wants to have his cake and eat it too. Mm -hmm. It wants to have a clash of the titans. Where the humans are just flies caught in the middle. But it also wants to pretend to be. Golly gee. Superman makes us feel great about ourselves. And yada yada yada. Um, I think the movie would have almost worked. With almost any other superhero. That wasn't Superman. Because of you know theoretically. What the Superman story is supposed to represent. Yeah. Um,
1: I think what. What I think. And I always been on board with let's try this then. Zack Snyder is, yes, he he wants to show. He's like, well, we don't live in the world where Superman was introduced to us at all anymore, and he's trying to be very grounded in the reaction to Superman. Like, how would the world react to him today? You know, and how would he come in, and how is this? How would he feel because? He wouldn't be accepted. He would be questioned. It wouldn't be like, oh yes, we were like, you know, he would, and it'd be very public, even more so, how people felt about him, and 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 like that. And so, how is he supposed to be with it? And at the end of the day, I, he's supposed, you know, he's supposed to always be that Boy Scout, the hope, and all that stuff. But like, he's not quite there at the end of this. Like, he's like, eh, um. And I think he also wants at the same time to show like a realism to the effects of a superhero fight like that to a degree, which I think after Marvel, uh, which is always going to be the the thing with is always going to be the problem with DC is they can't avoid being compared to Marvel, whereas you should just try to take DC on its merits, uh, as whereas you see... Marvel won't show that stuff or choose not to write scenes of that nature um, he's trying to show it and I I admire and understand where he's going but I, I noticed a lot of people just don't um, and I and I, I did see you know one of the f- classic things that happened after this movie was that he caught oh Superman caused all this damage I'm like and I watched the movie very carefully when it came out on home video again to be like did he? Did I? I was like, I guess there's a lot. And I watched. And in the finale scene, it Superman can't help if Zod throws him into a building. And that's kind of what's had. Like Superman, I don't think he's being conscious of surroundings and be like, oh, I got to save this. Got to save this. Oh, don't throw that, Zod. But he's not intentionally going after and destroying these things, too. Yeah.
2: Like, my issue was never with the scale of the destruction and the body count and all that jazz, mm-hmm. because I, I do think it plays fair in that sense. My issue from a storytelling point of view is that he's the dumbass that pushes the button that brings on to Earth. Yeah. And I swear, if you have anyone else other than maybe Lois, be the one to push that button. So it's not his fault that yeah. they just show up on Earth and shit, these are my relatives. <laughs> and he's because... He The whole thing about, you know, should Superman reveal himself to the world and he's – in the end, the the stakes are so high and established so quickly that he never really makes a conscientious choice to be Superman to the world. Yeah. It's basically either be Superman or the world will end in 10 minutes. (laughs) And there's a lot of blockbusters that make that mistake where, you know, you have a moral dilemma or a character dilemma, but – the stakes are so high by the end of the movie that the consequence of them not doing the thing is millions of people die. So of course they're going to do the thing. Yeah. So there's no dilemma. There's no conflict anymore. Um, and you know, this was one of many films that summer where you had a discourse about the scale of destruction in these PG 13 temples, Star Trek into darkness and, and uh, to a certain extent, the Lone Ranger, because it was a more graphically violent picture. Yeah. Um, so i don't have any problem with the whole clash of the titans and everybody dies thing my issue is that he's the dumbass that brings Zod to earth so this becomes another superhero movie like way too many where he's just the hero just he's cleaning up his own mess um and because the stakes are established so quickly almost at the drop of a hat it goes from gosh I don't know if I can risk exposing myself to the world. How will humanity react to me? To oh shit! If I don't show up now, the world's going to end in like an hour. <laughs>
3: yeah,
2: it, yeah. Um, it goes. And that to me is where you know one rewrite, one rewrite away from greatness. And it's a shame because there's a lot of good in this picture. Usually no, no. it's spectacular. It is great. It the, has... uh, the Terrence Malik Americana is terrific. Mm-hmm. It has this nitty gritty realism where, you know, people sweat while they're drinking beer. The porch doors squeak when they open and close. Uh, people live in crappy apartments because they aren't rich. You know, right. details of you know, people talk about, you know, grounded, realistic, whatever. That's the kind of stuff you want. Um, Pete,
1: Pete Ross went on to manage an IHOP. You yes. know, like, you know, yeah, um, in the
2: comics, he's president or yeah. vice president, whatever. I don't remember. Um I I so I, in that sense, it's it's that stuff works. Um
1: This is yeah, this is a visually incredible. Like I was just watching this time, this the detail on that, not only that, but like the the Krypton and the alien technology and the suits and like It's really, really focused. It doesn't feel like throwing a ton of stuff at the wall. It has a visual identity, especially in a time where there's a lot of monotony in alien stuff. This one really has it going on. He films it beautifully. The underwater, like, baby processing plant in Krypton's cool. Like, the the opening in Krypton is the opening is ridiculously busy. Like, it's busy, but I'm like, you jump in. You jump yeah. in, you're in the middle of it, like a movie serial. And I'm like, what? I want to play here longer. <laughs> you know, like this is, this is fun. This is like, this is a lot of crazy stuff going on. Uh And this is, uh, this is like Russell, Ru- like fit Russell Crowe. He's been chunky for a while now. It's, it's odd to see him, to go back and see it, him like that. Um, but it's, it's cool. Uh And you know, it's, a great contrast from the ice looking krypton of the other one it's it immediately there's no compare. it's just like it's so different you are here this is your krypton like you're not like oh that reminds me of the other one he goes to not do that and it's it's a blast right from the start and then later on the alien technology the suits they wear uh, just how everything functions feels really well thought out. Not rushed. Like this feels like the movie they wanted to make. Like I really, I, I think the first half yeah. is
2: really strong. Yeah, and that includes Kevin Costner's questioning Super Dad, which yeah, I think, respect. Look, if you have kids, you can relate to his not knowing how to best advise his son yeah. on saving lives and possibly exposing himself to an alien
1: autopsy. Right. I I just like, so, <laughs> like when you hear like oh like you know. Diane, Diane Lane and Kevin Costner's mom, Pa Kent. And you're like, well, that's really cool. And then you see what they yeah. do with Pa Kent, and you're like, mm.
2: <laughs> I, don't, <laughs> I just, don't mind. I mean, you got to get out of the story. Care.
1: Yeah, you do. But his de- his death um, is ridiculous. It's and like, I, you know,
2: the whole let him idiot. die thing never bothered me because, again, mm-hmm. as a father, that's he's he's not literally saying, son, I want you to let people die and blah blah blah. He's just like, ah. I, I I I don't know the right answer to this, and it's a very complicated question you're asking me.
1: All right. Fair enough. Um, I, yeah, I've just, that, that's for kind of- me,
2: the film starts to wobble right when Superman walks out to meet Zod in the desert. Because mm-hmm. from that point on, it's video game plotting. Yeah, you've got Ghost Russell Crowe explaining what the characters have to do next so they can get to their next destination, and you have just the rushed pace that you've gone from a you know meditative character focused you know melancholy space you know superhero drama mm-hmm. to you know basically an hour and a half long climax
1: yeah well i I also think too that like i, I wondered this at the time while it was impressive in the scale and everything there's just all the destruction the big battle I'm like did they go too big in the first movie I'm like how do you what do you follow this up with that, like
2: I that was my concern even before it came out it was like you're doing Zod in the first movie
1: on do you the do first the movie, and, and you've destroyed Metropolis. Where do we go with these? Because yeah, exactly, and I'm going to point out here I don't believe this movie was made with the intention of creating a shared universe with the other DC characters. I think I agree. I think the Wayne Enterprises thing was a shits and giggles gag. Like, this is why Superman works alone, like back in the day. I don't believe I believe this was only made to hopefully make a Man of Steel 2. I don't I believe
2: ag- I agree with you. I ag- even as you know, as much as as we all fretted over the carnage and whatever, the film ends on a note that's saying, OK, he's shiny, happy Superman now. Mm-hmm. And the next movie, he's going to be a little bit closer to the guy that you know and love. Yeah, you know, this is his action play. And again, I never had a problem with with him killing Zod.
1: Yeah, no, I because didn't either. What was he going to do? Goes out of
2: its way to say that he has no other option. Yeah, and B, it is a definitive moment of him killing the last person left on Krypton and making a, pre, a proact- proactive choice to say, you know, I'm an Earthling.
1: Yeah, 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 exactly. And what were they going to do, Zod? What on earth did they have to contain Zod? Like, what? Yeah, were they, it's. Like- it's,
2: it's- it's the same reason Ra- Ra's Al Ghul has to die at the end of Batman Begins. That's not a villain you throw in jail.
1: Yeah. You can't throw him in jail. Like, I get it. And, oh, Superman doesn't kill. Like, yeah, he's not gonna talk him down either. Like, it's it just, it's not gonna work. It's fine. I get that. Um, yeah. I, I, I'm not bothered by it. But yeah, the the whole thing at the end was like, wow, like, I, I don't think anyone went and saw this thinking it was a, a shared universe starter or anything like that. No. Um, um...
2: I mean, the the chatter I always heard, and this is whether this is true or not, I don't know, is that Warner Brothers certainly wanted to do something a bit more, you know, interconnected in the you know the yeah. mid to late two thousands. But Chris Nolan was like, "You ain't touching Batman." Yeah. So because he was making them so much money and giving them fortune and glory, they respected his wishes. So they basically stayed out of that until after Dark Knight Rises was done. Yeah.
3: Uh...
1: Um. Yeah. Uh, what do you, What do you think of uh, Henry Cavill as Superman? We haven't. He's fine. Yeah,
2: <laughs> he's a good actor. He's an interesting, charismatic presence. He is ridiculously handsome.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: You know, it's it's you know i I think he is fine in all of these movies. Yeah, I don't think the movies always serve him best, but that's neither yep. here nor there. Right. Um, I think uh, Amy Adams suffers greatly again in the second half of the film where it becomes a glorified video game
1: right uh, uh
2: where she stops being lowest lane reporter and starts being lowest lane action figure slash damsel
1: and in terms of um, glorified video game i will say Zack snyder has been one of the best directors at bringing like video game action translating to a movie yes uh, I, I do think yes um, <laughs>
2: A sucker punch has a couple terrific video game inspired action sequences mm-hmm. and you know not to skip ahead but there's a obviously there's a protected batman sequence in the next one that's basically straight out of arkham asylum
1: right well the fiora um, the fiora character uh the zod's henchwoman or whatever she has some her moves and stuff i'm like yes. as a video game character come to life she and uh she's quite fun but yeah amy, amy adams is uh Interesting, choice, I remember her. Her casting was used to uh, block the box office news of *Sucker Punch*. Uh, which yes, was that morning. Uh, and Lawrence Fishburne's great casting for Perry White. Like that's like yes, he's funny. Like it's that's where that's where you go uh, with these. And uh, Michael Shannon is just it goes the opposite direction of uh, Terrence Stamp here, where he had a more calm. Zod, this is I'm angry all the time. Shout no, he's he's angry. Yeah.
2: Because he feels he's in the right. Stamp obviously was just, you know, fuck you, I should be ruling and ha, 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 I have a kingdom now. Right. Um, and in terms of, you know, leaving nowhere to go, I mean, at its core, this film is Superman the movie combined with Superman 2. Yeah. Yep.
1: Yeah. yeah. Um, um, and this is a movie I've been fine with since it came out. Like, I've never, I was never on the side of like, Oh, it's terrible. Or I was never on the side of, oh my God, it's amazing. I was always like, Oh well, once again, they probably all they did was make the 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 next best Superman three. Like that's all they <laughs> keep doing. That's all every time you make a Superman, your hope is to make the best Superman three. Like that's all you can do. Um
2: and again, you know, I I, I again the movie has never worked for me for all the things I've been babbling yeah. about. But there is a lot of good in it. Mm-hmm. Um visually it's spectacular. It's well acted. The score is awesome. Oh, no, yeah don't tell anybody, mm-hmm. but I like the Hyland Summer theme better than the John Williams one.
1: Oh, okay.
2: <laughs> um <laughs> I bought the CD before the movie came out. Gotcha. Which, you know, and even back then I wasn't exactly buying CDs all the time. Gotcha. Um and that was right before I figured out how to download it on my phone. So by the time Frozen came out, I was able to buy that one on digital on Amazon.
1: Ah, okay.
2: um but yeah and it's it's i i i was very bummed when i walked out of this a because i didn't like it b because again my problems were so oh if they just fixed this this and this it would have been spectacular uh and it was like oh god is this you know the the dc universe for the next 10 years you know and i again i grew up as a batman nerd and a Mm -hmm. comic book nerd and all that's like This is going to be very challenging if I don't like any of these movies.
1: Yeah. Um, Well, the the box office here was fine, right? Like it wasn't like, ooh. I mean, here's as a start. As a start, it had
2: a spectacular opening weekend: 128 million over three days, including previews. That was a record at the time for a non-sequel, second biggest ever for a non-sequel at the time, behind the first Hunger Games. Reviews were mixed. Cinema score was decent, but yeah. it dropped like a rock after opening weekend. Uh, it, bar- it made two hundred ninety-one million domestic off one hundred twenty-eight million opening, which was very front-loaded, especially in the middle of the summer when everybody's out of school. Mm-hmm. The word of mouth was divisive. I don't think. I mean, obviously, the internet chatter is different from the real world chatter, but I think the real world chatter was more,
3: eh. yeah,
2: yeah. Um, and it made six hundred and sixty-eight million dollars worldwide, which isn't nothing. It was profitable, but it wasn't a record breaker by any stretch of the imagination. And Warner Brothers knew that the you know this wasn't a Batman begin situation where everybody walked out jazzed and just raring to go about what would come next. Mm-hmm. And as you know, Comic-Con 2013, whether this was in the works beforehand or whether it was a split second decision so they could win comic-con that year it was announced in july of 2013 that what was supposed to be man of steel would instead be a batman superman movie where batman and superman would meet for the first time and beat the shit out of each other and that changed the course of pop culture as we know it frankly Mm -hmm.
1: and as we we change it three years later 20 that's a segue that makes sense brandon 2016 put up your dukes, scott it's time for batman v superman dawn of justice
2: you're gonna go to war he's the one that brought the war to us count the dead thousands of people what's next millions he has the power to wipe out the entire human race and if we believe there's even a one percent chance that he is our enemy we have to take it as an absolute certainty Now we have to destroy him. Rated (laughs) PG-13.
1: Directed by Zack Snyder. Written by David S. Goyer and Chris Terrio. Starring Ben Affleck, Henry Cavill, Amy Adams, Jesse Eisenberg, Jeremy Irons, Lawrence Fishburne, Holly Hunter, Gal Gadot, Scoot McNary, Callan Mulvey, Tao Okamoto, Lauren Cohan, and Jeffrey Dean Morgan as the Waynes, because we love watching them die.
2: Spoiler, they get shot in the opening scene.
1: Yeah, score. there's
2: nothing more we like seeing more than watching the Waynes die
1: again. Love it, love it. Uh, Score by Junkie XL and Hans Zimmer. Uh, Batman is manipulated by Lex Luthor to fear Superman. Superman's existence is meanwhile dividing the world, and he is framed for murder during an international crisis. The heroes clash and force the neutral Wonder Woman to reemerge. So like maybe we should call this part the uh the pre-release the Snyder cut era because <laughs> everything is Well this,
2: this whole episode is the Snyder era. The, the Snyder
1: era. era. Yeah, so uh this movie they uh this is their reaction uh to the previous movie in ways Good and bad. This was um, not
2: the shiny, happy, upbeat Superman sequel we were promised.
1: No. Uh, they cram a lot into this movie. Uh, there is a now a plan for this DCEU that they jump ahead and announce that they start setting up stuff that we wouldn't see uh, happen till this year and stuff that we'll never see happen. Uh, but there like there's nightmare that that sequence there's Wonder Woman there's setting up Aquaman cyborg flash and doomsday there's doomsday in this uh but hey, get all that shit in there, cram it, you might not get to make another one right is that what that's what we say uh the one thing I think the first kiss of death to this movie I'll always remember when the force awakens it opens a f- months before this movie and there is a uh a meme on the internet that's the Batman v Superman poster. And they're like, If you think that movie was setting records, just wait till what was it April? And then it came out March twenty fifth. March yeah, March twenty fifth. And oh, everyone's like, I, Oh, I, shut the fuck.
2: <laughs> I think they were in trouble long before that, to be honest. And again, I mean I it's no secret that I think they overcompensated by announcing Batman Superman together at, at last at Comic-Con 2013. Right. Casting Ben Affleck as Batman was a brilliant strategy then and now. It's a good move. Because he was just coming off of Argo and and the town. He had, he had made an artistic and commercial comeback to where he was a very respected actor. And the idea, optimistically, was that he was going to play Batman for their DC universe as an actor, Mm-hmm. And if he wanted to direct a Batman movie, great. If not, whatever. And in exchange, Warner Brothers would turn them into their next, turn him into his ne- the next Clint Eastwood. Yeah. He would get funding and nurturing and support for old school movie movies like The Town, like Argo, um, and that was terrific.
1: And Live by Night.
2: The problem is, by the time <laughs> these movies come out. The bottom had, and this isn't related to Batman v Superman necessarily, the bottom had kind of fallen out theatrically in the studio programmer mm-hmm. because in late 2015, early 2016, a large segment of the casual general movie going audience shifted their entertainment consumption to streaming. Yeah. So the people that used to show up for non-event films, or they would see both, You know, they would see Batman on Robin and My Best Friend's Wedding um they stopped seeing normal movies, you know all due respect normal movies in theaters and this meant that you know a film like live by night was no longer financially viable um it didn't help that you know skipping ahead a little bit but by the time live by night opened the discourse around batman v superman and the dc universe was so absurd and so dominating that ben affleck you know among other things was understandably upset that nobody wanted to talk about the movie that he had actually made. Yeah. And that during the, the
1: press tour or, for them. Yeah.
2: yeah. And, but that's a, that's a different conversation. You want to know when, when the first, Oh God, this film's in trouble. Oh,
1: sure.
2: I'll go back even a year earlier. From what right. You said, all due respect.
1: Okay. Yeah. Respect.
2: April, 2015. There has been chatter for months. When is the teaser going to drop? When's the teaser going to drop? When's the teaser hmm. going to drop? The teaser was supposed to drop. I think early April 2015, where it would play in front of Avengers Age of Ultron, which was coming out in May. The plan was for have a big IMAX screening event on a Monday night. People would get tickets, sign up online, get tickets to drive to a theater and watch the two-minute teaser in IMAX. Four days before that was... uh, The Thursday before that was supposed to happen, the trailer got leaked online in the shittiest bootleg you could possibly imagine. Mm. this wasn't like a nice trailer getting released a few hours before comic-con a little out of schedule
3: yeah
2: um this was like somebody had shot this in black and white off a phone with betamax film and uploaded it online it looked like shit yeah. it was the same day that the second star wars the force awakens trailer had premiered in pristine glory at that that year's star wars celebration mm. and metaphorically i think the die was cast that very day unfortunately Mm. because the trailer in a theater plays pretty well yeah i mean it's basically a dark sequel teaser where batman is the new scary villain yeah i don't know if you remember how the teaser plays but it's it's, you know superman is still around and he's, he's questioning his place in the world and the world is questioning him and then you cut to but there's a new threat and it's batman Who's really pissed about Superman, and he's going to kill Superman, and what's going to happen? Dude, uh, and that was a very interesting way. To, yeah, exactly. That was a very interesting way to to, to you know launch that marketing campaign. Mm-hmm. It just got kneecapped by some someone bootlegging the trailer, and it was covered by like the trades. So it wasn't a matter of just shitty, shitty you know comic book news sites doing it for clicks. Um, the um. But so that was sort of the first "uh oh, this is not good." Um, but I'm way off topic here.
1: Yeah. Um. So the
2: film introduced Wonder Woman. Yep. Seems that the first picture of Wonder Woman in July 2014. Mm-hmm. uh and then the first teaser dropped more or less as scheduled in April 2015. The full length trailer dropped Comic Con 2015 along with the Suicide Squad teaser, which again got bootlegged and put online yeah. ahead of schedule. This was back when that, you know, happened all the time. It usually, you know, as long as it was a decent copy, it never made a difference. Right. Um, and I, I, I don't think it really made a difference in this case either. It's just a metaphorical, you know, blood on the door kind of thing. The film had, you know, leading up to the release had months of bad buzz and fretting from Warner Brothers executives Half the public, you know, half you know, half the articles were that Warner Brothers loves the film, Ben Affleck is amazing in it, and it got a standing ovation and yada yada yada. Half the publicity was that oh my god, they're fretting, it's so dark, it's so long, it's so violent. You know, kids are gonna hate this. It's the anti-avengers, blah blah blah. Um the film was premiered at a fan event, which actually took place before the all-media screenings. I actually saw the film twice in 24 hours. Oh wow! Because I got a ticket to the fan event. Because I did go to the teaser event just because I was curious what you know how it played in an IMAX screen. And you got if you went to the trailer premiere, even after the leak, you got a free pass for what would be at you know at 10 o'clock on Monday night screening several days before opening weekend. Oh. And then the all media's would be that Tuesday. So I ended up seeing it twice in IMAX. Okay. Um, and my first impressions were this film is a mess it's clearly been cut there are major plot points that genuinely don't make any sense Mm -hmm. why does the world think superman killed a bunch of people with machine guns (laughs) um you know it's 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 why does this film make less sense the more it implies that lex lex luther was behind the whole thing um because i don't know if you remember and this is both versions of the movie the film actually makes sense when it's just Batman hates Superman. Yeah. Superman is scared of Batman. And then Batman steals the kryptonite. Lex Luthor goes, Oh fuck, I have to deal with Batman.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And then he goes through the old, you know, kidnap Mar- Martha, kidnap Lois Lane to get Batman and Superman to kill each other. Yeah. It actually makes less sense when it's revealed a little bit later that Lex Luthor was behind everything. Um, But it looks eye-meltingly gorgeous in IMAX. hmm Yeah. I, Larry Fogg, cinematographer, should have gotten an Oscar nomination for Best Cinematography. The film remains one of the most visually dazzling comic book movies I've ever seen. Yeah. And even while my mixed negative review harped on what didn't work about the movie, too much Batman, not enough Superman. Um, ben Affleck is great, but the Batman stuff is frankly kind of boring. Because um, it's very obviously shoehorned in, Wonder Woman is very obviously shoehorned in.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, I still made a note to say I would like to see a you know comic book superhero universe where all the films look like this. Yes, because visually, it sure is sure as hell differentiated itself from the Marvel universe.
1: Do you remember? Remember when people thought Scoot McNary was playing the Flash because there was a a set photo and he had green. Uh, on his at le- his legs like sock. Like, that's gonna be lightning well, and stuff for a Jenna running Jenna Maloney fest.
2: was supposed to be playing uh, Batgirl.
1: That's right. Yep, Jenna Maloney. She was
2: not playing Batgirl. Yep. In fact, she's not even in the theatrical cut.
1: No, um, I will say the the which I have not watched the theatrical cut since no. the it released, but I have since watched the. I, I watched the ultimate cut and I've seen it a few times and it, it's much better because it remembers it the Superman's in the movie. Um, for one. <laughs>
2: there's a lot more Superman and, and there's a lot more Clark and Lois. Yeah. Which I and like there's a lot more by, you know, I don't think there's any less Batman, but he's less of an overpowering figure. Mm-hmm. I, I think the, the you know, ultimate edition, whatever the hell you want to call it. I think that on its own is a good movie. Yeah. I don't think it's a great movie, but I think it's a good movie it does something that I wish more superhero movies would do in which it places it's super powered characters in the world of normal people.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, they, and that is one-
2: something that especially the MCU and dear God, the CW shows as they went along kind of forgot to do is like everybody got a costume and everybody got a mask and oh, yeah. everybody got an alias. It was like, there's no real world anymore.
1: Yeah, and it's it, a. it's a. funny because that casting, everybody's like they're playing this, they're playing this, they're playing. No, they're just playing real world people. are no, playing Holly, Holly Hunter. She's a real world person. Scoot McNary, I mean, real world person. They they um th- th- like I, the thing I liked like the re- one good reactionary thing to this was the people talking about the destruction, and then they they meet that head on here, uh with yeah. in good ways and bad. Uh, like the opening scene, throwing throwing Batman, throwing Bruce Wayne in there is cool. Like that's okay. Then you build his why he would be against superman and making him you know very much a 9-11 type reaction for somebody and the one thing that is funny when i was watching it this time he's driving he's like and he's telling that guy who's like you know his best bud for life that we we've just meeting now uh forget his name but he's like evacuate the building now get everyone out of there and he looks out the window and the thing is like two blocks away i'm like really yeah. you, you gotta Bruce Wayne's the one that had to tell you guys get out. Like, of it. maybe like, you should have left. You're really already, there. you're too late. I like you should yeah. have been out. Like, what in the? I, I like it, it's, it's pretty funny. That does. But really still, funny. that
2: is a a for obvious reasons. It's a sequence that you've never seen any other superhero movie.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, and I do appreciate that they didn't just. Brush off the carnage and made that a central point of the picture. Well, Commercially, the- that might have been a mistake because you know you're doubling down on the most controversial stuff. Of the last film,
1: yeah, but they they shoot um, it in a way that looks horrific from the Bruce. Yeah, movie. it looks kaiju. Yeah,
2: it's- I mean it doubles down on the Godzilla shit. Yeah, um, and shit, I lost my train of thought. Keep going, please.
1: <laughs> no, uh no, I, I, I'm there with this. Like, I. You know they're shoehorned in people, but they do the best with it. like Gal Gadot is like scene stealer. Like immediately, Peep she was one of the the high marks of this movie, even pe- from people who didn't like it. And, and I think Jesse Eisenberg is terrific. I, I know it's I, a minority I, opinion. I, I, nope. Yeah. There's two of us here, so sorry people yeah. that don't like him. We're both, and I love his theme. The boom, yeah. I and I think he's. I I get this. Like this is the the a good modern Lex Luthor and a good antithesis to Henry Cavill and it's he's fun he's weird he's such a like he's a wild he's a, he's a wild card in a way it's it's similar but different to you know Heath Ledger's joker but this is like not that, but the same idea where it's like, I don't know. Yeah, what it's, it's, I don't know what I'm going to get from this guy. And in this his scene.
2: motivations make sense without being annoying about it. Like his father grew up in a, you know, a despotic regime and yeah. he sees in Superman the next tyrant.
1: Yeah. And the thing is, we can um, watch him be goofy, but we also know Eisenberg can get sinister. So yeah. we're waiting on that, but we can see this goofy uh, iteration. And, you know, we
2: know Adam Time, you know, we know that he's killing people left and right. Yeah. Um, and I think the first, and if we're talking about the, the extended cut, I think the first half of this film again is very good. Yeah, right up to the the Capitol building blows up. I think it loses a little steam in the second half, partially because the last hour is just pure, you know, you know, rock em, sockam em, robot style action. Right. Um. And you know, there there is some good in that. Visually, it's spectacular, and obviously the Batman rescue scene is fine. Um. And I I i'll admit at the time i was a little you know zach snyder is not a filmmaker that i necessarily associated with doing shitty things to his female characters so it sort of threw me into a loop that he basically fringed most of them um you know he killed two of them and then you know horrifically kidnapped and abused the other two which okay eight years later who gives a shit but i will admit that sort of like oh that's not okay whatever um and again, I I think the theatrical cut. It was another case of Warner Brothers panicking, and saying, "Okay, what are we going to do?" And the mm-hmm. answer is always Batman.
1: Yeah. <laughs> well, and then and the, uh, word is that they were begging Christian Bale to come back, and make that yes. But the I universe. just mean in terms
2: of w- in terms of what made the final cut. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah, know, there's yeah a three yeah. hour understandably okay i get it there's no way in hell you're gonna get away with a three-hour r-rated batman movie yeah. with people being set on fire on screen yeah. and you know all of that jazz
3: yeah
2: but i do think and i've always felt this way, i genuinely believe there is there exists a 160 minute pg-13 cut of that movie that makes sense and works i don't know oh, if it yeah. would made that much more money but
3: yeah there I always is the with superhero movies made, yeah yeah. super
1: superhero movies. That's always the case. There, there's always a shorter, tighter cut of them.
2: And he, it was, you know, and I, I jokingly said this before the movie even came out, and I, I remain terrified to this day about how accurate I was that the film became a giant metaphor for the 2016 presidential election, where two flawed but good would be leaders. Have a clash of ideas and treat each other as arch enemies when really, at worst, they're both flawed allies and they are so consumed with beating the shit out of each other that the real villain over here says, Ha ha ha, fuck you. All you've done is allow me to win in the end.
1: Yeah. There you go.
2: And you know what? You know what? <laughs> Hillary Clinton and Bernie Sanders, their mothers are both named Dorothy.
1: Oh. Where did you hear that name? Did you laugh at that scene the first time you saw it? No, did, no, I didn't. I I, I, just, I like the idea.
2: I, I like the idea. I just. I think Ben Affleck's performance in that scene is just a little too broad. Yeah, I mean, it's and boring. the fact that they would say Martha because you know who calls their mother by their first
1: name? Well, because he's Superman, he doesn't want people to know that that is his mother. Like that's why. I, and that's I, fair.
2: And, and but yeah, it, and I, yeah. I get that. Yeah, it's just weird. And. Yeah. I don't. I don't mind it thematically because I mean it's set up right from the opening scene
1: yeah. where, well, yeah. where
2: his dad's last words are Martha. You know, I'm mourning my dead wife,
1: and now Ben Affleck is standing there in the position yeah. of Joe Chill, being like, "Oh yes. shit, I'm this guy."
2: So, yeah, you know, it works thematically just yeah. fine. Yeah, I, I, uh, I, I never... and I, I do like that they're coming out of Excalibur, which is a one of Zack Snyder's favorite movies. Mm-hmm. B. This movie is paced like Excalibur. Yeah. By that I mean it roars like a bullet. <laughs> Especially for the first half, it's also an example of an IP that's famously kid-targeted and considered all audiences being reimagined as a super dark, super grimy, super you know adult skewing of entertainment. Mm-hmm. And you know how does Superman die at the end of this film? He gets impaled in a giant sword and pulls himself up
1: right to defeat
2: yeah. the bad guy as he's dying.
1: Oh yeah, it's been well documented that so, Zack Snyder is obsessed I, I, with the caliber. <laughs>
2: Yes, and I have my issues with the movie, but it's not stupid. No. It you know, it's 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 a very it's a smart picture when it's not getting its own way.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's just like it's it's a, it's a lot in this movie. That's yeah. it's part of the thing with it. And I will say that while well, I'm just like okay, you throw doomsday in here, but our, the action sequence with him is fun to me to watch like it's just yeah. chaos it it's doing cool video game stuff in, a, in an effective way wonder woman's awesome to watch fight it's cool to see how they team team together um there, there is some good dramatics to superman taking the spear um and it's i think it's it's fun it's a good looking action sequence it's well cut well shot well planned out yeah. the, the cg and it works like i i, I just you know it's just it's a movie that's just so much um that um I feel like the Superman and Batman fight could have been a climax it in its own way or something and you didn't I
2: think one core problem with it, and this goes back to the whole Lex Luthor's controlling everything the whole time which is yeah. dumb and again it makes the film make less sense than if it was just he was reacting on a dime to the chaos mm-hmm. you know to the situation which would make him smarter frankly Right Like oh shit Batman's involved now what do I do about this oh I know I'll well, you know I you know cuz I know who superman is cuz whatever right. I'll kidnap his loved ones and make him kill batman. Yeah. Um and the fact that the fight is over basically a misunderstanding. Yeah. Completely flies in the face of what the film has been trying to set up the entire time, which is a clash of ideas, a clash of ideologies. And honestly, I have the same problem with, you know, I think it's a better movie by default, but I have the same problem with Captain America Civil War, where you have a film that starts as a political debate a class of ideologies mm-hmm. where both sides make good points, both sides are right, both sides are wrong, but then it, it becomes narrowed down to a very personal. I'm going to fight you because you know I'm trying to protect my friend. Mm-hmm. Or this would have been resolved if I had just called up Tony and explained what was going on at a certain juncture. Yeah. Um, yeah. and it's it's it starts out as the political and becomes personal in a way that is unsatisfying for both films. Mm-hmm. Um, I do give Civil War credit in that it goes in the direction, it does not go in the direction that these versus films usually do, where they team up to fight a bad guy at the end um, I do appreciate that Civil War sort of subverted that trope although maybe it was because they knew what was going to happen in this one, I don't know
3: yeah. Um, yeah.
2: Did the film opened with 166 million domestic 424 worldwide very front loaded uh, it barely doubled its friday gross over opening weekend it barely doubled its worldwide gross total 873 from a 424 is not good
3: yeah
2: um the reviews were terrible um it basically led to the weaponization of rotten tomatoes as we know it um because you know understandably a a clickbait friendly media started using rotten tomatoes as a way to you know Fashion SEO friendly, geek friendly, you know, news articles. Mm-hmm. Um, it got a B from Cinema Score, so it's not like audiences liked it that much more, right? And, and again, I mean, especially in retrospect, it's like, what did they think was going to happen? They were literally doubling down on the most the stuff that people didn't like about Man of Steel. Yeah, and what always makes me laugh slash cry is that like a month before this movie comes out. You know, there's, we've been debating, theoretically debating this movie for three years. You know, everyone knows that, the, you know, the train's coming and, you know, we don't know what's going to happen. Captain America Civil War dropped a second trailer, which, of course, was intended to play in theaters with Batman yeah. v Superman. In the opening of that trailer, they do a, re, you know, they do a recollection of previous mass battle scenes with an on-screen body count of each one. And none of them, they're like, you know, the Battle of New York. 50 casualties. You know, the (laughs) battle of Captain America, the winter soldier, 30 casualties. You know, uh uh, Scovia and Age of Ultron, a hundred casualties. I was like, bullshit. Yeah. I saw those movies. (laughs) And second of all, first bullshit. Second of all, I could only imagine that Warner Bros. is thinking, wait a minute. We could have just retconned the body count and just done the shiny happy Man of Steel sequel we wanted. No, to we it.
1: added Anderson Cooper going, "Everyone's evacuated. It's okay. We have made yes. sure reports are coming in. <laughs> Again, people have evacuated the area." I was like that. That's you know, what what a Initial I'm estimates
2: of the de- of the body count was over. You know, the, the the loss of life was terrible, but thanks to Superman's initial efforts and the you know the people, the U.S. Army, it was kept under a thousand people.
3: Yeah,
2: <laughs> and that yeah, they could have done that.
1: Yeah, well, I, whether yeah. they
2: should have, that's commercially they probably should have. Artistically, that's a that's an open question. Yeah, I th- um I, I, think... I do think this film has aged very well. Just yeah. has its own weird ass world.
1: Right. Yeah.
2: I, I, know, I... if it wasn't responsible for launching a cinematic universe. Then I think it would have been better received, at least mm-hmm. in terms of the discourse. I mean, if you like the movie, you like the movie. If you don't, you don't. Whatever. That's that's neither here nor there. Mm-hmm. But it was very hard to approach the film as a singular piece of popcorn entertainment, knowing what was riding on it.
1: Right. Yeah, that that is true. There you have to it's live like, in the moment to understand yeah, that. Visually, but- this
2: is spectacular, but I don't see how you 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 launch a four quadrant all audiences cinematic universe based on what is basically a deconstruction
1: yeah well and we're also in the point of social media at this time where we're treating everything like sports teams where like well yes. I, I, I i'm marvel i can't like dc like where it's like you win with both and like the giddiness of people from the marvel squad that okay this isn't getting good reviews and stuff like that like wanting to pick at people and then the dc people being thin-skinned and not taking it very like this is where we start these um horrible discourse and banter online that will culminate in the last jedi uh down the road being the ugliest of such like if you thought the batman v superman was something it just yeah but there was the faith no i mean uh, again
2: i i i I mean, ugly online discourse has been around at least since The Phantom Menace, if not Batman oh, and Robin, ironically.
1: Right, right. Social media-wise. And again,
2: the original sin was Hollywood thinking that the internet tanked Batman and Robin, mm-hmm. which, you know, it opened with $43 million, which was one of the biggest openings ever. People showed up. It got a C-plus from CinemaScore. They didn't like what they saw. Paying consumers said no thank you.
3: Yeah, It exactly. wasn't
2: the inequal news message boards. Nope. Um, But anyway, um, in a vacuum... The, the the you know the extended cut whatever you want to call it is pretty good. It's visually spectacular. It's well acted. It almost feels like a sprawling, you know, at its best, it feels like a sprawling you know uh, uh, magnolia super you know magnolia but a superhero movie, right? As insane as that f- sounds, because it did you know it's about the people of the world as much as it's about Batman and Superman,
3: mm-hmm.
2: and. I I do appreciate that. And I wish it had been a better movie or at least they had made smarter choices about what to keep and what to cut for the theatrical versus extended cut. Mm -hmm. Um, Because a film series based in the world of DC that looked and felt like this in terms of majesty would have been a hell of a thing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. And at this point, we are five and a half hours in to the nine and a half hours of Zack Snyder's world. Yeah, <laughs> that we have uh, to go. That'll come not next episode, but the episode following. Um, but we had two DC movies in 2016. They were like, "Oh, we are we are opening up this universe with our next film, Suicide Squad." <laughs> What's wrong
0: with you people?
2: We're bad guys. It's what we do.
0: This is the deal. You're going somewhere very bad to do something that'll get you killed. It's
2: so intense. Uh, please don't touch me. Please don't touch me. You want to see something? Yo, wanna you want to see something? Yes. That's gangster. Suicide Squad. Rated PG-13. Experience it in IMAX 3D.
1: Directed by David Ayer, written by David Ayer, and John Ostrander. Starring Will Smith. Not the worst thing that would happen to him. Margot Robbie, Viola Davis, Joel Kinnaman, Cara uh, Delevingne, Jai Courtney, Jay Hernandez, Adewale Akinoyi, Mr. Echo. Uh, Sorry I pronounced your name wrong. Uh, Ike Barinholtz, David Harbour. Uh, common Ezra Miller, Ben Affleck, and Jared Leto as the Joker. A secret government agency recruits some of the most dangerous incarcerated supervillains to form a defensive task force. Their mission, save the world from the apocalypse. Now, oof. So, apparently there's still a David Ayer cut of this movie out there. Uh, this film had a reaction to it before it even came out. Because there was panic of Batman v. Superman that, hey, this is our Guardians of the Galaxy. uh, With DC thinking that uh, is what they had here. Uh, I don't know. Um, So a trailer was cut to make it feel that way. The movie was taken out of David Ayer's hands to be that way. And I don't know what to say here because... <laughs> da- David, I will I, give him the benefit of the doubt, even though i seemed seen Bright. I would like to see his cut of the movie, but I have never connected with that guy's films aside from End of Watch. I um, like Fury. Did, I didn't. I, I did. I, I just. I and that's me. I know a lot of people like a lot of his films. High wa-
2: Times is probably my favorite by
1: default. Gotcha. I've just. I've seen. I've seen yeah, them. I've seen them all yeah. and I've just, I've never connected. The only one I've connected with in a watch and I just, yeah. So I don't, for me personally, I don't know that his cut would do it for me. I think maybe the studio made a call. Um, I don't know well, where. Commercially they
2: made the right call. Cause we'll get into this in a second. It was a huge hit.
1: Yeah. I, I don't um, know where I, what would happen. I but-
2: feel worse for David Ayer than I do for, in terms of filmmaking without getting to, other stuff that happened over the last yeah. few years, I feel worse for David Ayer than I do for Zack Snyder for the simple reason that oh yeah, Zack Snyder's Justice League was taken out of his hands and compromised for better or worse because of the reaction to Zack Snyder's movies. Yeah, David Ayer's Suicide Squad was taken out of his hands and compromised in reaction to like five other movies right. that he had nothing <laughs> to do with. Yes, Batman v Superman, the success of Deadpool, the success of Guardians of the Galaxy. Mm-hmm. you know they basically hired the guy that wrote the fast and the furious to make the fast and the furious in the dc universe and then at some point and we can debate when this actually happened they decided no no we want this is our as you said, this is our guardians of the galaxy with the humor of deadpool yeah and the trailer which was a great trailer and they dropped in January of 2016 mm-hmm. was so well-received that so they tried to retroactively cut the film to better resemble the trailer.
1: Right. Um, and I'll tell you this. When all the music drops are special, no music drops are special. like <laughs> Or needle drops. When all needle drops are special, none are special because it is on overload. The first 20 minutes of this movie probably has enough to co- cover a double album. Like, mm-hmm. It is re- it is not as bad as Fear Street from Netflix. The first Fear Street movie. But holy crap. It is pick a song. Quit skipping. Like it, It's a lot. Going back. I'm
2: going to say some nice things really quick. Okay. Will Smith is excellent at this picture. He's and good. His star power is a big reason why this film kicked ass overseas. Will as Smith. Well as it-
1: Will Smith, Margot Robbie... Uh, Viola Davis, and I will say Jai Courtney finally is yeah, allowed to have his fuck? accent. He's allowed to have his accent, and he's good here.
2: Mr. I kill franchises on the fifth go-around every time, Jai Courtney. Yes. Which, again, I think it's, it's – without getting too into the bushes here, it's another example of this would-be promising, would-be movie star that isn't allowed to be charismatic because he gets – keeps getting Cassie's generic heroic characters and past their prime franchises or films that should never be a franchise. You know, John Carter battleship for Taylor Kitsch, yeah. Terminator Genosis and uh, live free or die hard for Courtney. You know, if you see Jai Courtney in like as the boyfriend in that, that uh, Kate Beckinsale, Amazon action movie jolt from a few years back, he's wonderful.
1: Well, if you let him have and, his accent too, like he's yeah, on like,
2: accent, You let him play a real character in something like, uh, I think it's called Felony, yeah. the top drama he made in
1: 2015. Yeah. Um, oh, Jay Hernandez ain't bad here either. Like, no, cast wise, these people are doing good, <laughs> they're quite yeah. good. It's just, it's here's here's another thing I
2: think Jared Leto's Joker is fine, eh, he's barely in the movie. Yeah. He is a very unique and specific take on Joker, sort of more so than when you see when he's sort of like, you know, a crime boss. Yeah. A guy that everybody knows. He's not the scary figure in the shadows. He's just, he is a crime boss that everybody's scared of because he's a freaking lunatic. Yeah. And he is annoying. He's supposed to be annoying, I would argue. And he's barely in the movie. So, I mean, he's, he's there, as seasoning. Yeah. And regardless of, of what Jared Leto does or doesn't do in his free time, and honestly from what i gather a lot of the crap that he allegedly did behind the scenes was him just blowing smoke as far as i know he did not actually send used condoms or dead rats to people but whatever um he is he is neither he neither sinks or swims this he he's neither the reason the film succeeds or fails
1: right nope
2: that being said this is one of the worst mainstream blockbusters of the last 20 years it's bad it is a mess Each character gets three separate introductions. The first third is character introduction. It's ridiculous. And over and over again. And that's the best part of the movie. (laughs) Yeah. Because once they embark on the mission they get shot down one of the the helicopters crash they walk and then they slowly walk from building to building for the rest of the movie randomly shooting zombies
1: with no coherence to the it is just guns no. going off like there's no yeah. coherence to these like whatever they are things uh that are that were once innocent people they might come back i don't know if they yeah, could or not but it's too you know, late it's- which but the, there's these like mini one way in which
2: the, the suicide squad is similar, but that's yeah, another first, conversation. The first <laughs> they act aren't as different, yeah. even though one is clearly better than the other.
1: The first act has these little mini stories to introduce a lot yeah. of the characters and they're fun. Like the dead shot one where he like kills I the guy knew
2: with the cl- we were, I knew we were fucked when they start doing the character introductions and all the cool scenes from the trailers are in those introductions.
1: Uh, there's also the uh, the thing people were from the marketing and before this all like the the look of some of these characters having the Juggalo influence to them, and it's 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 an interpretation. It's it's weird. like these are clearly not Snyder; these are air. <laughs> like yeah, that, that they allowed him to do it. But like I'm like you know what though? Like we're all tied to these images that are based in like the 60s and stuff. Like they, why can't we? take a look at, the, like, cause I'm all about now it was Batman. We have so much Batman. I'm like stuff like uh, Gotham by gaslight. That's cool as hell. Like do these weird else world takes on Batman. So like, I'm okay. They actually do like Harley Quinn, this edition iteration of Harley Quinn has been like on the minds, on the things that people like it's worked in some way, not yeah. box office wise. It has not worked except for this time. But it has worked in terms of people resonating with this character dressing they dress up like this Harley Quinn well, quite a bit. I think the
2: costumes, if nothing else, are very easy for cosplay. Yeah. And whether that was intentional or not, I don't know. Um and I will admit, this is my own personal and again, this is not what sinks or you know, this is not what kills the movie. Mm-hmm. I do prefer that the costumes look like they do in the comics, because that to me is part of the fun. You know, that right. was always part of the thrill of the, the 90s, 80s Batman movies where you saw, you know, Riddler and, and, and Penguin and, and Two-Face and Poison Ivy that looked like, you know, spitting images of the characters that we knew.
1: We've and had I, plenty I, of Jokers, though. So this time around. Yeah, yeah, plenty of Jokers. Yeah. But Joker looked like the Joker. Yeah. He's the He accepted the role in this one. <laughs> I mean, he's got tattoos all <clears throat> over um, himself and, yeah, I mean, still, and changed stuff. But yeah. Uh, he's still a
2: clown that wears a sharp looking suit and kills people.
1: True. 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 Uh, Hashtag,
2: that's my Joker.
1: That's my Joker. Uh, Love my love
2: that Joker. Wrong uh, wrong line. Yeah. Um, and no, I. I, But yeah, I mean that that's a pet peeve of mine. That's certainly not what's what fills the picture one way or another. And um,
1: I I, I, somebody I mentioned, I I an actor I like a lot that just always gets the short shrift when it comes to mainstream film is Joel Kinnaman. He's always quite good in things. I love he was uh, amazing in the show The Killing. Like that's where I first that's saw how he him. He broke out. I saw these movies um called the uh, Cash that he made in uh, I think Sweden or whatever where he's from and yes. he's quite good in those. He's he's never the reason a movie's bad, but he's in a lot of like blah, Robocop. mediocre movies. Yeah, he's never the reason it's bad. He's quite a good actor. Look, I but it it just doesn't work um, for him. unfortunately, Joel
2: Edgerton gets all of his
1: good parts. Yeah, there you go. Uh, but um, yeah.
2: Although he he is front lighting John Woo's Silent Night, which comes yeah, out, which I'm excited uh, about. 1st. Yeah,
1: yes, and he got to be in the Suicide Squad, which was a much better reviewed film. That's it, true,
2: and he was actually quite good in that.
1: Yeah, he's very good actor. Um, but he just hasn't caught. Uh, again,
2: I think it's, it's like a lot of, you know, we're going to turn this guy into the next Tom Cruise. You know, you have to understand that in order to get Tom Cruise, you have to make risky business. Yeah. And Jerry Maguire, not just legend and top gun.
1: Right. On the other side of the coin, Cara Delavine is terrible in this movie. Poor thing. And she's not, <laughs> I, I, and she's not a bad a- actress at all. Like she was great. Uh, I liked her in Valerian. I liked her in the yeah. only murders in the building season two. She was like, I enjoy her. This is, this is a bad jump for her. This it doesn't work. And I, I just, I don't know if it's her fault. Like, I feel like she got the shit end of the stick in this a bit and she couldn't handle it, but she's um, bad.
2: Well, she, yeah, it's, it's a weird, and this gives another problem with the film is that, you know, halfway through or, you know, toward the end of the second act, we find out that like the suicide squad's mission is to stop a villain that, Walla Davis, who created the Suicide Squad, created and saved Walla Davis or Amanda Waller, sorry, yeah, from the threat that she caused. Yeah, so again, it's another situation of superheroes cleaning up their own mess.
1: Yeah, well, I think Um, one one thing that would help would have probably helped this movie too is if the Suicide Squad could have gone up against somebody that people knew that might have been a bigger draw than the Enchantress.
2: Well, to be fair, the yeah. film made seven hundred and forty-five million. It did. It did. China. Yeah, it was a massive, massive hit. True. Uh, it opened with one hundred and thirty-three million domestic.
1: It had legs because um, it did drop pretty was, hard. I pre-
2: think it's still the record, a record for an August opening.
1: Okay.
2: Um, it dropped huge in its second weekend, but it kept but going because it was the last big movie of the summer. It legged out a little bit till school, and it actually was leggier that year than Captain America: Civil War.
1: Yeah. So people like this uh, movie.
2: Yeah, or at least they were fine with it. Again, I think it's Will Smith, Margot Robbie. You know, it's it's also it was the first Harley Quinn. And it, yes, it was a big blustery comic book movie with a decently sized minority cast. Mm-hmm. That matters. um, But I don't think anyone particularly loved this film. And I think if they did, then the Suicide Squad would have been more successful five years later.
1: Well, yeah, that's that's part of it. it was five years later. Yeah. You know, uh, Tomb Raider trap. Yeah, I, which yeah. is what
2: Warner Brothers was trying to avoid when they didn't make Man of Steel too. Ironically, right?
1: <laughs> oh gosh, yeah. So yeah, this one it's got a
2: yeah. It, Regardless it, it, of who's of to blame, it is an absolute shit show.
1: And it winds up in this finale that's like this crappy version of Ghostbusters. Like, it's yeah. And I just like, what is going on? Like, what are we doing here? This uh, and like, there's there's good material here and there here in the diet, like Will Smith and the Deadshot and Harley Quinn exchanges are
2: good. There is a slightly longer cut of this movie that's available Mm -hmm. on home video. It's not anywhere near the revelation that Batman v Superman ultimate edition is, but it's a little bit better because it has more character beats.
1: Right. And I I understand like, there's a lot of Joker stuff laying on the floor for this as well. Um, But yeah, I'd be curious to see. Just you know I it's... I would like to say I'm always interested in I mean, honestly, other cuts of without
2: getting too far ahead of myself here. If the Snyder fans hadn't been such dickheads after the Snyder cut came out, yeah, and kept harassing Warner Brothers, we might have gotten an air cut by now.
1: Right. Yeah. And it, it well, it's just a wonder that I don't understand like how you just can't toss it on streaming. Like it, like I maybe there's like, I some, some antics and stuff. Like, what's it hurt? What's I mean, it yeah? Like it's it's an alternate I mean, thing.
2: Unless there's a ton of post production that needs to be done, and I don't know. Mm-hmm. I mean, Ayer has always sworn that there wasn't a ton of work that needed to be done on, you know, because it was basically done and then just cut up a whole bunch of times.
1: But but there are people that there were people that would be interested in doing it. Cheaply or low cost, like there are, yeah. like there was, they were when they were working on the Force Awakens, which comes up now. They were cleaning up and restoring Phantasm for shits and giggles because they liked the, the Abrams and people like that movie, so it got a restoration while working on Force Awakens. Um, there's like there's so many tales of like people like uh, working on other things, just no, oh, because uh, I I care about it, so I'll I'll lend a hand, I'll do it, you know, but. You know, and they also. I know this. It probably sounds petty from a studio, but you could crowdsource that shit and get the money for it. People would pony up. Yeah, probably. It it looked petty, but if the people want it, put your money there. Yeah, now and now subscribe. Like you don't even have to put a disc out anymore. Like you can you can literally like that should be what your streaming service is offering, and if it goes well, then you. You you joink it and then you offer it up on voodoo or you or you farm it out and you make money off this other cut. Yeah, you could and, and I, don't, you I just can,
2: don't get you them. can buy Zack Snyder's Justice League on various VOD platforms if you wish. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there's money to be made.
1: There's money to be made,
2: especially and, if the film is indeed almost done.
1: Yeah, and, well, there probably was a cut. There's a work print. Show the fucking work print. Like I don't like. It's funny. Like because I mean, a lot of times I do Blu-ray reviews and stuff for Shop Factory. They put work prints on things. They're VHS sourced, but you can watch them. They don't look bad, and you can see what it is together. These are digital films. (laughs) They're not going to look like VHS work prints. You can remove the timer at the bottom or keep the timer at the bottom. Like people watch garbage torrent bootlegs they'll watch whatever is there and imagine like it, it, it it's just like i just think there's a misunderstanding there that's still not at that studio level understanding unless there's some stuff that is in between, read between the lines, or I don't know because I'm not there. Then please inform me because it just seems like I think I it's just really to a
2: certain extent
1: a pride thing. You
2: know, the Snyder cut was just okay. This is the end of this. We're moving on. Damn it! And the only reason that I mean, look, I mean, say if, what you love about the Snyder cut. The only reason that it exists is because we had a global pandemic.
1: Yeah, and well, if everything you get the, shut down. If you get the higher HBO cut, needed content. If you get the higher cut, what are they asking for next? Nothing. They got they got the that. There's no other cuts they're asking for. They're yeah. asking to restore the Cyberverse, which is <laughs> have fun. Um, that's that's just beyond not not happening now. It's it's never and like Snyder's well, it's not even to
2: restore issues. either. They make more, or they don't.
1: Yeah, and Snyder's you know, it's, not it's, even interested of it. So no, he's
2: getting you know I, he's got Rebel Moon. I'm looking forward to that.
1: We're benefiting because we're getting Zack Snyder originals, not yes, not you know like I can't like at this time the Marvels has come out and I. I am itching for an original Nia DaCosta film because she has shown so. She's much. working on something. She is. She's shown so much talent through Candyman and that. That's not like oh, I want to see what she does, blank blank checkish wise. Like because she's got some, she's got some great stuff in her that she has been. She'll be fine on franchise or studio projects. Oh, she'll be fine. She she made her money. Yeah. She she did the Marvel, so now she can move move on. But yeah, so yeah, Suicide Squad. I don't want to sit and bash this because it is messy and it's just not like if if the action stood out or something that that'd be one thing but it it is literally just cutting from shot to shot of people shooting guns and it's not interesting yes. it, it it's not there's no geography um, there's no geography to it there's no and who knows maybe the air cut has some sense of geography and better cuts and camera movements but it's not in this and there's a little, in- yeah, it's it's there's inserts that you know were added way later, like the Captain Boomerang drinking the beer thing. I don't know, like oh yeah, the- like yeah, that's stupid. So,
2: um, so yeah, you know, the- Suicide Squad was supposed to be the film that sort of rebounded after Batman v Superman mm-hmm. because it had the cool cast, it had the anti heroes the trailers were pretty good up to the, up to the end. Yeah. That comes out. It's worse. All due respect, worse than Batman, Superman, either cut. And now you're like, Oh my God, DC is doomed. Doomed. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: Yeah. Um, and you know, it's what's the next movie that comes up?
1: Well, we go one year later and we will, uh, that's a good segue, Scott. Very brilliant. One of your best. It's a wonder how many segues you have left in you.
2: (laughs) A good segue. Where was this? The entire fucking 93 podcast.
1: Oh, Wonder Woman 2017.
2: When war
3: ravaged the earth, the gods created us. I will
2: fight. For those who cannot fight for themselves. Wonder Woman. What are
3: you? You will soon
1: find out. Rated PG-13. Experience it in IMAX 3D. Directed by Patty Jenkins. Written by Alan Heinberg. Story by Heinberg, Zack Snyder, and Jason Fuchs. Whose name looks like fucks, but hey. Only if you've seen Pan. Yeah, Mm. sure is Fuchs. Uh, Starring Gal Gadot. Uh, Chris Pine, Connie Nielsen, Robin Wright, Danny Houston, David Thewlis, Said uh, Tagmahu, uh, tag, <coughs> tag uh, Ewan Bremer, Eugene Brave, Rock, Lucy Davis, and Elena Anaya. Score by Rupert Gregson Williams. When a pilot crashes and tells of conflict in the outside world, Diana, the Amazonian warrior in training, leaves home to fight a war, discovering. Her full powers and true destiny. This movie was a moment, and I still love it. I It fucking I'm, rocks. I'm a fucking big fan <laughs> of Wonder Woman. I this is in my pantheon of favorite superhero movies. This is this is probably in the conversation in the top ten. Like I I really like this movie. Um the no man's land sequence in this movie is one of probably the best. Superhero action sequences, ever. I still get like butterflies when I watch her going up the. Like it works. Like um, this, Gal Gadot has a great star turn here that takes what was planted in Batman v Superman and expands it and capitalizes it in such a way. Um, I know there's a thing about the finale being her fighting a big CG thing, but why not? It's, it's, earned five it minutes. Who it's, cares? it's earned it at that point, and it looks great and, and plays great. And why can't the girl have a movie where she does that? If all the guys can have 80 of them, so you can have one. Um, but, yeah, there's so much so much I like. I like the period. I love superhero comic book films in the period saying, because, you know, Scott, you and I are big X-Men First Class fans. Because yes. It's like, wow, that works and in the 60s. What was, so What awesome. was
2: the first Marvel movie that I loved?
1: Captain America, the first adventure. Yes. Uh, yeah. Which and, I
2: still think is the best MCU movie.
1: Which I, I get a lot of things about, oh, I like Wonder Woman back when it was called Captain America. Well, cool, because- Yeah, they're both great. They're both great. <laughs> they're both great. And there's a lot of missing pieces in that Captain America movie. That I'm like, oh, I would like seeing see more of that. That's here in Wonder Woman showing battles and stuff. And I just really- like the idea there's some cool spy shit in this movie. That's not in captain America, the first Avenger. Um, um, th- th- yeah. And I
2: think something they share in common is they have a, and you know, not to get back to Batman v Superman. What I think, what I think is interesting about that movie is that, you know, at its core, it's a Superman story where understandably Clark and is paralyzed by indecision because he knows that every choice he makes has massive political consequences.
3: Yeah.
2: Um This film You know, it like Captain America. You have two characters that are just incredibly, innately, innately selfless and righteous. Mm -hmm. And in a genre where, you know, King Arthur has to reject the call and then accept the call, and you know, you know Tarzan has to reject the call and then accept the call, and both of these films, like fuck, they take the call with both hands and they race onto the battlefield. Yeah, and without a moment's hesitation, they are begging to accept the call. Mm-hmm. Not because they want fortune and glory, but because there is, you know, evil in the world. There There is misdeeds and they want to be the ones to snuff it out because, right. it, you know, it's, 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 and that is incredibly exciting as an idea. And, you know, I mean, for me, the key line in Captain America, at least is, you know, you know, do you want to kill Nazis? I don't want to kill anyone. I just don't like bullies.
3: Yeah.
2: And. You know, Gadot doesn't have a line quite that on the nose, but it's the same sentiment. You know, one thing I love about the No Man's Land sequence is when she gets into the village and there's more conventional fighting, there's a beat where, like, she's using her lasso to take down the soldiers before they get shot.
1: Right, yeah, yeah.
2: It's not like she's unwilling to kill and she, you know, it's not like she's unaware that they're in a war, but if she can bring them down without taking their lives, she will. Mm Mm-hmm. And it's a subtle beat that that was very interesting to me. Um, visually, the picture is gorgeous. Yep. Uh, although, ironically, once they get to London, it's it's probably the darkest, gloomiest DC movie of them all. <laughs> right. I mean,
1: <laughs> we well, always talk
2: about oh, it's so bright and colorful. I'm like, like no, it's I always mean, rainy there. They
1: get it so right. It's right? a fucking
2: right? tie dye hallucination of a movie. Right. Um, you know, Zack Snyder's movies are nothing if not colorful um this one understandably probably has you know something closer to sleepy hollow where yeah the outside world is relatively foggy and and gloomy and grayish so that the protagonist stands out in the light
1: yeah no it makes Um, sense
2: and the no man land sequence is terrific um the build up to that you know the first hour of the movie is delightful Mm -hmm. in terms of character work in terms of you know the 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 not quite howling commandos that are all very specific and detailed characters that are you know fucked over by in one way or another by the status quo um in a way that you know without being obnoxious about it is a bit more honest than the m c u movies at that point you know you didn't see Marvel movies where you had Native Americans talking about, oh you know my people were wiped out by that guy's family <laughs> and um. And, you know, you have characters with PTSD that Mm -hmm. are, you know, very explicitly so. Uh, And again, that's not to knock on the Marvel films. You know, I think Winter Soldier does some of that very well in a very subtle way for the first 20 minutes or so. Mm -hmm. Um, But and even when the film becomes a bit more of a conventional, you know, action fantasy, I think it still works. Yes, the monologue, you know, the villain monologuing is silly, but it works because it's David Thewlis and he has a lovely voice. Yes, yeah. And you could literally listen to him read the phone book, which is pretty close what he does to what he does here. <laughs> um and that's yeah, you know, that's why you cast an actor like that who has to, de- to deliver exposition like that. Yeah. Um and the relationship between her and Steve Trevor, it's not just that he he sometimes finds himself in the role usually served by the female in a film of that nature, although it subtly does that. What I love about the relationship is that he is Both sexually and not sexually very turned down by what a superpower badass she is. Yes. Yeah. Not only is he not threatened by it, he's like,
1: oh, fuck. Yeah.
2: (sighs) And, you know, that's how we'd all like to think we'd react to something like that. Yeah. Um,
1: And he succeeds like action moments to her in a natural ways and stuff like he realized. Yeah. Like it's no,
2: there, there's a beat in the, the, the paradise, the Themyscira fight where he sees two of the warriors where one uses the shield to jump in the other. Mm -hmm. And then later in the no man's land sequence, he does that yeah, because he saw what it worked there. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, it's, 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 you know, I hate to say that, you know, Wonder Woman, you know, works as well as it does because of Chris Pine, but, you know, it's a great, you know, they are wonderful together.
1: There's a reason he's the best Chris. And he, he's a, a, mad, like, big time. I don't, I, I don't know. He picked the right role because he was being touted over there at Warner Brothers for something with DC. for There was, like, Green a, Green Lantern. And yeah, Green Hal Jordan, and I think. Hal Jordan, names. all the story, And he like, picks. And
2: I, even I was writing at the time, no, don't do John Stewart, for God's sakes. He's right there. And he's. And eight and, years later.
1: Yep and here he and Chris Pine chooses this and it's perfect. And he's, he's a highlight of this movie without taking away from the. Yeah. He compliments it. It's perfect. Like he's just, I don't know. He's such an incredible like actor to me of our modern people that, um, I, he's not picking all these like franchises and stuff. All this, I mean, he does have them, so but they're interesting choices. He does trying them. To
2: recruit. He's still got that's some the one answering for,
1: yeah, that's that film the one.
2: basically was so bad it allowed the MCU to take over Hollywood, right? Uh that's my theory, anyway.
1: There you go. <laughs> uh, yeah, so he, yeah, he's not perfect, but um, he's very old school. He's like, it's just he's so engaging here, um, yeah. with that. And the two of them work so well, it's not like it, it's it's almost it's it's in the line of. Uh, George Lazenby and Diana Rigg in Honor of Majesty's Secret Service mm-hmm. working together like having the the pro which would be Rigg guide the newbie along and the newbie is always best in the scenes with that person like they are, that, that's, that's how they that's how they work together and um, um
2: yeah and yeah I mean it's 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 it works as its own thing it isn't just good because it's finally a halfway decent female-driven superhero right. movie. It's not good just because, oh, finally a Wonder Woman movie. It's a really terrific action-adventure fantasy yeah. that happens to be a cast Wonder Woman movie. Yeah. Um, and she's terrific in the picture. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I we can debate, you know, how great she is at, you know, dialogue for later films, but whatever. I think she's one of those people like Hayden Christensen in the Star Wars prequels where physically he's spectacular, I don't, and maybe he doesn't deliver bad dialogue all that well, but physically he's terrific.
1: There is just something about her that yeah. is larger than life and her presence yes, with this roles. role. Like other, like it just, it's amazing. And I don't care if she's, yeah, like she's not the best at say we watched Arnold through the eighties, you know, and stuff, but that's okay. But we can't have uh, the other end like that. Like if I'm fine with that, I'm fine with this. And this is probably better than that. And, like, it's fine. But there's something about her that goes beyond that that just captivates. And you remember, do you remember people were mad because they wanted Gina Carano in this role? Gina Carano, who Steven Soderbergh had fun cutting around her speaking (laughs) in a movie? (laughs) So you can't... You know
2: what? There were a lot of... I mean, obviously, they've been threatening pretending to make a wonder one movie for as long as I've been alive. Right. And yeah, Sandra Bullock would have been great in the nineties. Yes. Eva green would have been awesome. Yes. Lynn Collins from, from John Carter in a different world that would have been worked. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think at least for this picture, she was exactly what this film needed. Mm-hmm. And I think it is, it is, it is a star turn that I would put on the level with Christopher Reeve and Chris Evans, in the first captain America. And, uh, Yeah, those are the two that come to mind in terms of just holy shit.
1: It's smart too because we already had her in Batman v Superman, so there was always it was already broken open. Like there was no, who's this going to be that I'm going to see? You had you had a sampler, you had a teaser trailer for it with the previous with the previous movie that,
2: and it's more complicated now because a lot of the actors went down unfortunate paths in the real world. (laughs) <laughs> since then but i will say that Zack snyder had an interesting eye for casting these people right off yeah. the gate yeah i mean jason momoa gal gadot ezra miller i mean say what you will about how it happened to ezra miller in 2014 it was really neat that this queer jewish Quirky, weird indie film darling was being cast as the Flash. Yeah, that was actually progressive. Yeah,
1: and I and I everybody, if I mean people, know oh, I never liked him, but dude, if you saw, we need to talk about Kevin. If you saw the perks of being a wallflower, you were like, yes, this kid is something. Like, yeah, and he was in uh, what Trainwreck. He had a nice little scene stealer role, and like you were like, okay, okay, and but. You know, now and, everybody's, you know, I mean, everybody's I, I too cool now to admit for, for, they were ever...
2: I don't want to make excuses for Miller, but you got to remember that from what I gather, they didn't start, you know, going off the proverbial deep end until mid-2020. Yeah. I mean, again, I don't want to say, you know, COVID this, COVID that, but, you know, without COVID, she doesn't do that stupid Imagine song that makes everybody turn against her. Right.
1: <laughs> yeah, that was, that was the one. Yeah, there, there's a whole lot of stuff that goes... Um, I mean, without COVID,
2: different... Wonder Woman 84 would have been a box office smash. Yep.
1: That's for a couple episodes that from now. That's for a couple episodes from now. Yeah. So.
2: Um, but this was the shot in the ass that, that DC needed.
1: And they just needed it to was bite the, first... the bullet with Justice League. Just get through the Justice League. After this one. <laughs> just
2: hold it on. was. And it was the first example in the DC universe of what Marvel had, which is that you had a superhero in the abstract. hmm played on screen in a specific cinematic incarnation that was itself crowd-pleasing and popular. Right. Because, you know, Marvel being the obvious example, people didn't love Thor in the abstract. They loved Chris, Chris Edwards, Thor. They didn't love Iron Man in the abstract. They loved Robert Downey Jr.'s Iron Man. Mm -hmm. And I think Henry Cavill is fine as Superman. I think Ben Affleck is fine as Batman, but, I think for the first few films, what you, the problem was you they were betting on the abstract doing all the work right. you know it's Batman and Superman in theory, on the screen. But with this with Wonder Woman, it was it was Gal Gadot's Wonder Woman that you are gonna love. yeah, and audiences did love her. Right. It was up to the time, the leggiest 100 million dollar opener of all time. It opened with 103 million dollars in early June. It legged out to four hundred and thirteen million dollars, and I remember because I was doing daily updates for Forbes for like two months. Right, a it was good for traffic. B it was the first time since the twenty sixteen election that I didn't feel like a fucking collaborator writing about box office during the <laughs> Trump administration. And as silly as that sounds, there were people that would tell me on Twitter that. The only news they actually looked forward to reading every day was my Wonder Woman box office updates.
1: Which it was the biggest film of the summer. And yes, domestic, And uh yeah, because it topped Guardians too, right? That was the one that was Yes, it did. Supposed to be domestically.
2: Worldwide it did a eight twenty one. the funny thing is, it did so well domestically that that people, you know, I had to explain to people why it wasn't actually underperforming overseas. Because it was just doing normal business overseas. It wasn't right. going crazy. And thing with Black Panther a year later is like, oh, you know, every, people overseas are racist because Black Panther is doing 50-50. Oh, yeah, that's because it insanely overperformed in North America. Right. Otherwise, you'd have a normal, you know, 40-60 split. Yeah. Um, uh, it, so, it yeah. Was, was Wonder funny, yeah. was the hero that Marvel or the, D- uh-huh, Mar- the, the DC needed. Mm-hmm. Warner Brothers – had a kick-ass summer with that with dunkirk and then the the you know early fall would be it which holy shit
1: yeah um, wouldn't they? wouldn't they change the trailers for the the justice league to be like it was wonder woman's team almost kind of they a little they, were, bit. they did that a little a bit a little bit which, i i think
2: you know um
1: what you're talking about, nailing that character. I think what they did with the Affleck thing was, well, we can't bring a familiar Batman to verse the Superman, so here's an actor everybody knows. Yes. Because cause i d- absolutely right. Um I um, did see that they I, I believe they were reading Josh Brolin and Ethan Hawke for that as well. But those were probably Ethan Hawke. Hawk, Interesting. Uh, that's what I had read um was one of the people they read for it. But um affleck obviously makes sense he's no, such a commercially such a affleck was name the
2: best choice they could have made and he other had than, just
1: risen to yeah yeah he had his academy award he had the old best picture yeah
2: commercially speaking the only better choice that i could think of in that age range or what they were trying to do was denzel washington yeah if they had gone you know if they had gone for that hail mary yeah. Um, and as far as I know, he was never in contention. I they I, I might have been talking about him being Lex Luthor at some point, but whatever.
3: Yeah.
2: Um, but Denzel doesn't do franchises unless they're the Equalizer. But even that's more of a star-driven franchise than oh boy, the CBS show that you vaguely remember, right? Um, or the Queen Latifah show that's airing right now that's popular right. and pretty good.
3: Yep.
2: Um, but yeah, cool. so one Roman kicks ass, gets great reviews, legs out like a motherfucker. Is the movie that the world needs in the first year of the Trump administration, as silly as that sounds. Mm. And yes, I'm being facetious. um, Surely DC is going to be fine from now
1: on. We end episode one on a high. Everything is going to be great. We got everybody's getting together in the next one because it's Justice League. And now they have
2: a winning (laughs) character in Wonder Woman that everyone's going to flock to see. And. You know, people more or less enjoyed Ben Affleck as Batman. So they've got that going for him. And, you know, it's unfortunate that Zack Snyder had to step away. But hey, the director know, of
1: the Avengers, the
2: yeah, the director of the Avengers. I mean, you know, at least the dialogue will be interesting. And it's it's written by Chris Terrio again, because, you know, I like the articulate script of Batman v Superman and all the pontificating, but whatever. <laughs> so go. surely everything's going to be just fine.
1: All right. Yeah, that'll yeah. That's where we end chapter one, and uh, it's Scott hinted to, chapter two, um, we hit the release of. Uh, this is the the uh, release the Snyder Cut era is what the next era is. Uh, where we we'll yeah, ta-
2: it's the Hamada
1: era. Yeah, we'll be talking oh, yes. about Justice League, the theatrically released one, Aquaman, uh, Shazam, and Birds of Prey.
2: So we go it's right the era up of. What if DC movies were fun?
1: Yeah, we go right up to the pandemic uh, is where we will end in the next episode. And joining us and returning to the show after over three-year hiatus will be uh, Molly Henry from The Blogging Banshee and Tomato Approved Critic. She'll be back. Uh, So she'll be talking with us about those four movies. Uh, But Scott, uh, in the meantime, where can people keep up with you?
2: Uh, I'm at therap.com. I'm on Twitter at, or at X, excuse me, at, at Scott Mendelson. I'm at Blue Sky. I may or may not have joined threads by the time this airs. Um, And that's where I am. I'm on Facebook. That's mostly for like family pictures and cat photos. I
1: get requests on Facebook and I'm like, eh, you don't want to be. I just don't yeah, respond I'm, sometimes. So it's like, mm, I don't know you. <laughs> like, I'm glad you like my stuff. Like my Facebook page for the show. Like,
2: Go go on Twitter, if you want to bother me in that
1: way. Twitter, Instagram, which, yeah, you can find me on those socials, at Brandon4KUHD. Please also check out the show on the YouTube channel, and you can find all things PopCon at PopCon.US. We have uh, moved. The Louisville show is now uh, not in June, is the end of August, and it's got a different venue. It's downtown at the Convention Center and not the Exposition Center. Hopefully, I won't get shot at this year in Louisville, so... There we go. Uh, I'm not
2: sure if I want to know more about that or not. Oh, there you go. Uh,
1: So, yeah, uh, till next week, send us your hate, Snyder Squad, whatever, uh, and stay film positive.
0: Thank you for listening. The Brandon Peters Show is a Creative Zombie Studios production. Produced by Brad Shoemaker and Brandon Peters. Written and edited by Brandon Peters